0: Um, But I am so glad to be with you this morning, so glad for an opportunity to share. What I have to share with you this morning is, as Ecclesiastes might say, nothing new under the sun. But I hope that it challenges you uh, this morning. Have you ever doubted something you've long held as true? Have you ever wondered if the things that you always believed might not be exactly as you had believed them to be? At first, it's not a great feeling. I always get that kind of pit in my stomach, like, oh, no, I'm going to have to process this more than I want to. But in the end, that processing, it matters. It's good for us to process our doubts. It helps us to understand ourselves and God a little bit better. But it's not always easy. As many of you know, we're in a series where we're exploring the meaning of life from the perspective of the book of Ecclesiastes. The author of Ecclesiastes, we'll call him the sage, is doing a little of his own processing. The sage is asking questions about all kinds of things throughout Ecclesiastes. No longer can his traditionally held views of goodness and justice be assured. We need to take a close look at these things. We need to look under the hood a little bit, if you will. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, prior to our passage today, the sage is questioning whether relationships with others are really that important. The sage observes that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Do we need each other? American society encourages individualism. I can make money at my job, watch out for my family, do my activities, and feel somewhat satisfied. But am I really? As Christians, do we really need each other? Do we really need to come together and worship on Sunday mornings? Or is a time of golf or fish with God on Sunday morning enough? Now, I do not discredit all the hurt that has happened um, in churches. Unfortunately, there are so many people with deep, deep wounds from churches. But can we really live this Christian life fully without the fellowship of the body of believers? This morning we're going to look at what the sage has to say about the bond of companionship, the need for relationship with others. So we'll be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. This is from the New English translation. So again, I considered another futile thing on earth. A man who is all alone with no companion has no children nor siblings, yet there is no end to all his toil, and he is never satisfied with riches. He laments, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is futile and a burdensome task. Two people are better than one because they reap more benefit from their labor. For if they fall, one will help his companion up but pity the person who falls down and has no one to help him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they can keep each other warm. But how can one person keep warm by himself? Although an assailant may overpower one person, two can withstand him. Moreover, a three-stranded cord is not quickly broken. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. As with much of Ecclesiastes, we have a passage that feels very much like a proverb. There's a progression of one, two, three that is often found in ancient proverbs. One man who toils alone without anyone to eventually inherit the reward of his labor. Two people who, when traveling or going about life, are safer together. And finally, three who are the strongest not to be broken. Do we need each other? Ask the man who's working and toiling alone for no reason. One commentary said that, there is something eternally contradictory about depriving oneself of pleasure and then having no one to share it with but self. Isn't that the beginning to all good Hallmark movies? The rich, po- the rich doctor, lawyer, businessman, whatever it is, has all the money in the world and no one to share it with. Even Hollywood or wherever they make Hallmark movies knows that money without companionship is meaningless. Do we really need each other? Biblically, we see the value of relationship and companionship. From the Genesis account where God creates a companion for Adam, to the nation of Israel wandering through the desert but surviving together, to Jesus drawing his disciples to himself, and certainly in Acts where they devoted themselves to fellowship and had everything in common Granted, some days went better than others in these situations, but the Bible shows us the beauty and the difficulty of living life with others. Even God is Trinity, three in one. Do we need each other? Scientifically, we are wired for relationship with others. My husband, John, recently did a certificate in applied positive psychology, and a whole unit of their study was about the need for relationships. He supplied me with some interesting facts. When people feel lonely, brain regions activate similar to that of physical pain. People with strong social ties were significantly less likely likely to die prematurely if supported by close relationships to friends, family, fellow workers, members of the church, or other support groups. And finally, more than 50 studies further reveal that social support calms the cardiovascular system Lowering blood pressure and stress hormones. We are not only wired to be in relationship with others. It is something that determines our physical well-being. Do we need each other? Why do we so often insist on doing it by ourselves? It makes me think of my two-year-olds who used to say, I do it, mama. We overwork ourselves and do things that people would be happy to help us with. We work to show ourselves independent, and we don't ask for help when people are willing to help us. It hasn't always been that way. From archeology, span we've learned that the earliest humans in different places in the world recognized that they had to stay together to survive. It allowed them to hunt large animals, to build shelter, to find and grow food, to raise and protect their families. These were all things that were impossible for one person to do or one isolated family to do alone. Do we need each other? What and where is the meaning without others? All through Ecclesiastes, the sage is saying that things are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. In this passage, he doesn't say that relationships are in vain. The thing he claims as vanity here is working without someone with whom to share the wealth. The New Living Translation of the end of verse 8 says, It's all so meaningless and depressing. What isn't vanity? Being able to help each other. What gives meaning to our toil? Relationship and community. Community becomes the reward of our toil. Ultimately, meaning is in relationship with others. In the two section of our reading today, the sage offers very pragmatic reasons for for friendship. In the days this was written... If one was traveling, actual holes would be a problem in the ground. They might come upon a pit that was meant to capture an animal. Without a travel companion, you might not be able to get out of a pit created for a large animal. Travelers also often slept beside the road, and Palestinian nights would be very cold. So the warmth of another might literally mean life or death. And then the third example of a physical attack while traveling was a real threat as well. We see that same kind of community for survival in the early church in the book of Acts. The fellowship was central to their survival as a new faith. The community and its members bore one another's burdens and shared everything. You and I live in an environment where our faith is not typically challenged daily. Every, uh, few of us have frigid, cold nights without heat. Now, we did go a little bit of time without our air conditioners after Hurricane Ida. That wasn't actually threatening our survival, even though we might have thought it was, just our comfort. But I'd like to propose that we look under the hood a little and see that our survival as individuals does depend on each other. Our survival as churches does depend on fellowship and a strong sense of community. Maybe better stated, our thriving depends on it. Last week, Paul Baxley talked about the difference between surviving and thriving. Andy's most recent article in The Window will also discuss thriving. Maybe we can survive without each other, but can we really thrive? Do we need each other? When I was a child, church was my community. And I suspect that for many of you, you grew up in the same way. But our world is changing, and there are hundreds of other places and ways that people can find a place to belong. Americans are also becoming more individualistic and insular. So how can we as a church continue to build this community, continue to pour into the relationships in this place? I think you're already doing it quite well, and I know that we'll continue to work together to find new ways to build this community. I learned so much about what it looks like to live in community from the Roma people when I served in Slovakia. Roma are a highly relational people. They are always in groups. You don't see them alone very often. They depend on each other and their community for survival. In Roma settlements, they do life together. The The children run from house to house. The adults sit outside in the yard and talk with family and friends. Now, you do not go to a Roma home and expect to stay less than two hours. No way. They need each other in ways not too unlike our case studies in Ecclesiastes today. Often without power, they need each other for warmth. The physical threat of the majority culture and of the prejudice that occurs there is real as well. Many of the places where they live are away from the towns and cities and require them to walk long distances on crowded roads to get to the stores. Most cannot afford to live isolated away from others, so they live in communities and in homes with many more family members than you or I might be used to living with. One of my favorite stories of community is from one of my my dear Roma friends named Yulo. In the Roma community, the bonds are very tight, like I said. To be excluded from the community could almost mean, literally almost mean a death sentence. A few years ago, Yulo and his family were building a new house. They had some nice and very expensive treated wood outside in a pile that they were planning to use on the house. One morning they woke up and they found that the wood was gone. Through a certain series of events, Yulo did some investigation and figured out who had stolen the wood from him. It had been one of his neighbors. If Yulo had made it public that this neighbor had stolen from him, the neighbor would have been ostracized from the community. But Yulo chose to go to the man and speak to him directly. In this conversation, he found out that the family had no firewood left for the winter and they were unable to cook their food or heat their home. His young daughter was sick and they were trying to keep the house warm for her. Yulo told him, if you would have come to me, I would have helped you get the firewood that you needed, but now you've burned this expensive wood. But even so, Yulo chose to forgive him, to not press charges and to not make a big deal of it in the community. To this day, this man is so thankful for the grace that Yulo showed him that he brings milk and eggs to them to his family almost weekly. Yulo knew that walking with this neighbor was far more safe than isolation. Do we need each other? Recently, I was doing my normal brainless scan through Facebook, and I came upon this beautiful story that I want to share with you. Uh, this is, now, when I went to try to find. The story again. You know how that goes. I couldn't find it, so I'm going to do my best to relay the story as I remember it. The man telling the story was talking about the importance of presence, the importance of I am here. He was su- he was surfing one day and broke his collarbone. Unable to get back to the shore with it broken like he wa- it was, he reset it out on the ocean. I know. And then he paddled back to shore. He made it back and was lying on the, on the um, beach when someone came along and called an ambulance for him. But he said the thing that meant the most to him was that the person said, I am here. I'm not leaving until they get here. The surfer said, I saved my own literal life out on the waves. But this person who stayed, they saved me psychologically. Now, not nearly as dramatically as that story. I've never had a broken collarbone, nor have I said it out on the waves. I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to help out in Mother's Day Out, our Mother's Day Out program here. The director needed to be out, and we had it was one of the first weeks for some of our new little guys, and she was um, rightly thought that maybe some of them would have some problems. So we have this new nine, nine-month-old. He comes in, and he is crying so hard for his mama, and I told his teacher... You know, I'll do what I can. So I held him, and I played with him, and nothing was working. So I just set him down on the ground, and I just sat behind him. I just sang quietly to him and just let him feel my presence. Eventually, the cries turned to sniffles and the sniffles to quiet. You might have experienced a time when you didn't need words or expert care. You just needed someone to sit with you and say, I'm here to know that someone is with us matters. To lay beside another, either literally or figuratively, might just mean life and death for another. Many of you have probably experienced this when you've had a sick or a sad child, or maybe you've been the recipient of someone being present with you. Now back to my scientific research from John, I found this fascinating. In a study of leukemia patients who were about to have bone marrow transplant, Only 20% of those who said they had little social support from family or friends were alive two years later. 20% with little social support. On the other hand, those who had a strong emotional support system, 54% of them were alive two years later. A study of over 1,200 heart attack patients found that a nearly doubled rate of recurring heart attacks within six months for those living alone. Do we need each other? I had what I've come to call a holy interruption last Wednesday. A CBF church, Andy mentioned it last Sunday, from Daytona collected supplies for the hurricane victims of Ida um, who are living in Homa. Three of their members drove 11 hours to bring these supplies so they could be distributed this weekend through our connections there in Homa. They had brought so much that they needed some of us in the office to come and help them unload the supplies. As we unloaded their very full van, they shared with us that they were a church of mainly older people, and they just wanted a way to help out. They used to go and do disaster relief, but most of their folks weren't able to do that anymore. However, giving supplies was a way they could help. Driving 11 hours to deliver those supplies to us was a way they could help, a way they could walk alongside another, pull them out of the hole, so to speak. This is what it looks like to live in community. In this case, the community was our greater CBF community. Many of you have also donated items to help. The youth have active fundraisers planned to donate and to help. These things matter. They say to people, I'm with you. I'm here. Do we need Each other. When I first started thinking about having children and when my girls were young, one of the values that I held as very important was to raise girls that would be independent. Even in the early years of parenting, I did things intentionally that would create in them a sense that they could do things on their own, that they were capable of being their own person and thinking for themselves. While I still want them to think critically about things and not just go along with the crowd. I have learned a lot about the importance of interdependence since those first years. The Roma taught me a lot about what it's like to live in community with others and not to be ashamed to need each other. They helped me look under the hood of my long-held American ideals of independence and challenge it. In our Roma church, everything in Slovakia, everything was done by the people. Tithe was often very low, but if something needed to be done, the members would see that it got done. Many of them had very little income, and Slovak society, in general, does not encourage charity giving. But if the sanctuary needed to be painted or the building needed to be cleaned after activities on Sunday, it was done by the people. And in that work, the community was built. Right after Hurricane Ida, a few folks came out to help on the grounds here. I know these people just a little better because of our common work. We picked up sticks and we built community. Our American concept of independence, whether it be how we perceive our own rights and freedoms, our need to have our own car and our own ways and our own schedule, often runs contradictory to the interdependence on each other and on God that we see in Scripture. Do we need each other? Now we come to the third in the succession of one, two, three in this proverb-like passage. The sage essentially says, if two is good, how much better is three? He gives one example of three strands of a braided rope. Certainly three is an important number throughout scripture. But we'll move on for today's topic. Do we need each other? Jewish literature says, a man that has no friends is like a left hand bereft of a right hand. So what do you think? Do we need each other? If you believe we need each other, then how does that affect the way we live? For many, these past couple of years have been incredibly isolating. The restrictions that we have about masking and being in small spaces with people has created a great divide between us. We've got to figure out how to be creative, and find ways to be in relationship with others. Now, please do not hear me saying that we should forgo caution in this difficult time. It is extremely important that we are careful and that we do the things that we've been taught to do. But we need each other, and we need to push into connections with others. Maybe that means meeting at a park for our kids to play instead of an, instead of an in-home play date. Maybe it means calling Or video chatting with a friend you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it means meeting a friend for coffee at an outdoor restaurant. Our world is changing, but we've already proven that we are adaptable people. We in this church are adaptable. We've got to keep fighting for the things that matter, that aren't meaningless. And one of those is connection with others. Maybe deepening connection with another this week means truly listening to the point of view of another person that you respect, but from whom you have different political views. Maybe it means allowing someone to help you. Being vulnerable enough to be the one receiving the care. Maybe it means finding someone who had fallen and needs a hand up. Maybe it means just saying, I am here to someone who's hurting. Do we need each other? Let's stand with the sage and say, Yes, life without companionship is meaningless. Go and live likewise. I have a brief time of silence now.